Independence Day, War of the Worlds, Contact. The list of films where aliens come to Earth stretches miles long. They vary in theme, message, and style, but there's usually one thread that binds them. Contact from outer space. However, what if I were to tell you that we don't need to look out for contact from something else? Perhaps we just need to look around. Specifically, England in the 12th century. My name's Asher Wertheimer, and this is Tales at the Campfire. Sit on down, and try not to look at the darkness around you. Focus instead on the flickering flame, and listen while I tell you about the green children of Woolpit. Woolpit is a village in Suffolk County, England, about seven miles east of the town Bury, St. Edmunds. During the Middle Ages, Woolpit belonged to the Abbey of Bury, St. Edmunds. The area was one of the most densely populated in rural England. The two writers who will report the story of the children are Ralph of Cogshall, who died around 1229, and William of Newburgh, who died between 1136 and 1198. Ralph was the abbot of a Cistercian monastery in Cogshell, roughly 26 miles south of Woolpit, while William was a canon at the Augustinian Newborough Priory in Yorkshire, far to the north. William claims that his account, given in Historia Rerum Anglicarum, published circa 1189, is based on, quote, reports from a number of trustworthy sources, end quote. While Ralph's account in his Chronicum Anglicanum, written sometime during the 1220s, uses information from Sir Richard de Calne of Wykes, who reportedly gave the children refuge in his manor, six miles to the north of Woolpit. Ralph and William's accounts differ in some details, but the story remains roughly the same. Our story takes place in the 12th century, sometime during the reign of King Stephen, between 1135 and 1154. One summer day, around harvest time, the villagers of Woolpit discovered two children beside the wolf pits that gave the town its name. Wolf pits were a type of hunting tactic. They were deep trenches used to trap animals. The children, a brother and sister, were young and had green skin. They spoke an unknown language and their clothing was unfamiliar to the villagers. They were taken to the home of Richard de Calne, where they refused food for seven days. One day, however, the children discovered some raw fava beans and began to eat them voraciously. Slowly, they adapted to regular food and, strangely, their skin lost its green hue. The boy, evidently the younger of the two, became ill and died shortly after he and his sister were baptized. There is some difference in the accounts here. William says that both children eventually learned English, 
while Ralph says that the boy died before he could, and only the girl learned to speak. Whatever the case, the children eventually told the villagers that they had come from a land where the sun never shone, and the light was like twilight. William says that the children called their home St. Martin's Land. Ralph's account says the children reported that everything in St. Martin's Land was green. According to William, the children were unable to account for their arrival in Woolpit. They claimed that they had been herding their father's cattle when they heard a loud noise and suddenly found themselves by the wolf pit where they were found. William speculates that the sound was the bells tolling in Bury St. Edmunds. Ralph says that they had become lost when they followed the cattle into a cave and, after being guided by the sound of bells, eventually emerged into our land. According to Ralph, the girl was taken on as a servant in Richard de Caen's household, where she was considered to be, quote, very wanton and impudent, end quote. William says that she eventually married a man from King Lynn, about 40 miles from Woolpit, where she was still living shortly before he wrote his account. Based on his research into Richard de Collin's family history, the astronomer and writer Duncan Lunan has concluded that the girl was given the name Agnes and that she married a royal officer named Richard Barr. This is where the story ends. But we're left with many questions. Where is St. Martin's Land? How does anything grow where the sun doesn't shine? How did the children come into our world? Neither Ralph of Cogshall nor William of Newborough offers an explanation for the, quote, strange and prodigious event, end quote, as William calls it. And some modern historians are just as reluctant. Nancy Partner, an author of a study of 12th century historiography, writes, quote, I consider the process of worrying over the suggestive details of these wonderfully pointless miracles in an effort to find natural or psychological explanations of what really, if anything, happened to be useless to the study of William of Newborough, or, for that matter, of the Middle Ages, end quote. Maybe this is true for historians. But we amateur sleuths cannot help but long for an explanation. Two children, green in their skin, wearing strange clothes, speaking an unfamiliar language, arrive in a town in England. They cannot explain how they got there. And they claim that they come from a land called St. Martin's Land, where the sun never shines. It is perpetual twilight and everything is green. Come on, give me something. Two approaches have dominated explanations of the mystery of the green children. The first is that the narrative descends from folklore, describing an imaginary encounter with the inhabitants of a fairy otherworld. In a few early as well as modern readings, this other world is extraterrestrial, and the green children are alien beings. The second explanation is that the story is a true, albeit muddled, account of a real event, although it is impossible to tell whether the story as recorded is an authentic report given by the children or an adult invention. 
His study of accounts of children and servants fleeing from their masters led Charles Ullman to conclude that, quote, there's clearly some mystery behind it all, some kind of drugging and kidnapping, end quote. Jeffrey Jerome Cohen offers a different kind of historical explanation, arguing that the study is an oblique account of the racial difference between the contemporary English and the indigenous Britons. Some analysis of folklore may help us to understand more. Scholars such as Charles Oman note that one element of the children's account, the entry into a different reality by way of cave, seems to have been quite popular. Gerald of Wales tells a similar story of a boy who, after escaping his master, quote, encountered two pygmies who led him through an underground passage into a beautiful land with fields and rivers, but not lit by the full light of the sun, end quote. However, it seems that there are not as many tales of this nature as Charles believed, so the theory has little support. Martin Walsh believes that the references to St. Martin are significant. He sees the story of the Green Children as evidence that the Feast of Martinmas has its origins in an English Aboriginal past. A contributor to Notes and Queries in 1900 suggested a Celtic connection. Quote, Green spirits are sinless in Celtic literature and tradition. It may be more than a coincidence that the green girl marries a man of King's Lynn. Here, the original Celtic word would be line, meaning evil, i.e., the pure fairy marries a sinful child of earth. End quote. Local author and folk singer Bob Roberts says in his 1978 book, a slice of Suffolk, that, quote, I was told there are still people in Woolpit who are descended from the green children, but nobody would tell me who they were, end quote. Still others suggest that the children were aliens or inhabitants of a subterranean world beneath the Earth's crust. In a 1996 article published in the magazine Analog, Astronomer Duncan Lunan hypothesized that the children were accidentally transported to Woolpit from their home planet as the result of a, quote, matter transmitter, end quote, malfunction. Lunan theorizes that the home planet of the children is in a synchronous orbit around its sun, in which the planet rotates the same direction it orbits. This would mean that one side of the planet would be constantly facing the sun it orbits, making it terribly hot, while the other side would be constantly facing away, creating a frozen wasteland. The only way an organism could survive on such a planet would be in the twilight realm on the border between the two sides. The children's green skin hue could be a side effect of consuming the genetically modified alien plants eaten by the planet's inhabitants. Do forgive me if I'm skeptical of this explanation. But Lunin was not the first to theorize that the green children were extraterrestrials. In 1621, Robert Burton suggested that the green children, quote, fell from heaven, end quote, an idea that seems to have been picked up by Francis Godwin, historian and bishop of Hereford, in his speculative fiction, The Man in the Moon, published posthumously in 1638. There are possible historical explanations for the story as well. At the time, there were conflicts with the Flemish immigrants moving into England. 
There was even a battle fought around the area of Woolpit in which many Flemish were killed. It is entirely possible, suggests Paul Harris, that the children's parents were killed, and the children wandered from Fornham St. Martin, a town just north of Bury St. Edmunds, where a settlement of Flemish lived at the time. Unable to speak the local language and dressed in Flemish clothing, the children would naturally have appeared strange to the inhabitants of Woolpit. Their green coloration could have been due to chlorosis, a disease that results from dietary deficiencies, which gives the skin a greenish hue. With more and better food, the condition would have been remedied. This theory is most widely accepted, but it isn't without flaws. For example, why would the children have reported a land where the sun doesn't shine if they lived just north of Bury St. Edmunds? Or why would Richard de Calne, an educated local man, be unable to identify the language of the children as Flemish? I personally believe that this explanation is the most likely. As I've said before, I enjoy the mystery of these stories, but I believe that there is always a logical explanation based in reality. If not this, then I think the children are likely the victims of symbolism. Wandering into Woolpit with some circumstances similar to their story, but having their tale changed slightly by writers, including William and Ralph, in order to serve as a tool to speak about English integration of natives or the indigenous Britons. However, I still think it's a spectacular tale. And who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the children do hail from a subterranean kingdom of perpetual twilight. Or maybe a matter transporter malfunction transferred them from a planet where they were trapped on a fine line between a burning hell and frozen wasteland. Whatever the case, one can't help but wonder what really happened that summer's day in Woolpit, England, 800 years ago. On the massive list of unanswered questions of history, we can add another line. Who or what were the green children of Woolpit? I'm Asher Wertheimer. Thanks for listening. And if you ever hear bells tolling from caves, go home. <laughs>